Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope that this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy this message. Good morning. The series is so good, we want to make sure you guys saw that twice so that you know you need to be here. Okay, it's a really good series. I saw who's going to preach. I'm excited about it. So we're going to hear from a lot of different speakers, a lot of different uh, testimonies about how God has moved in their life. And so you do not want to miss our next series, the This Is My Story, because honestly, story is one of the greatest ways that we can hear about how God has moved in our lives. And so you do not want to miss out on that. But before we get to do that, we have to wrap up our series on Job. It was a five-week series, and this is going to be the final one. I get to wrap up this awesome book. And a welcome to All In Sunday. I'm so glad that we are all here. As Pastor Andy said, my name is Taylor Mabry. I'm the youth pastor here at the Valley Church, and I got the blessing of being able to preach on All In Sunday. I absolutely love All In Sunday because I love all the generations in here. It is just one of my favorite things. So we're going to try good morning again, but this is what I want to do. Raise your hand if you are younger than 11. If you are 11 or younger, raise your hand real high. I got to see it. I got to know that you're here. Okay. And when I, I'm going to count down. And when I hit one, you got to say good morning as loud as you can. Okay. Three, two, one. Nice. Good job. All right. So oh, they know what's coming up next. Teenagers. If you are around 12 to 18, you know, about that age. If you are about 12 to 18, raise your hand. I want to know that you're in here. Okay, you're in here. Nice job, nice job. Way to represent. All right. Can you say, good morning, go? <laughs> y'all, <laughs> y'all, I'll, you want me to count down? Y'all about to be in trouble next week. Okay, all right. Three, two, one. Good morning. That's a little bit better. They knew that was, you know. <laughs> All right. So if you are, okay, I got, I got a couple booze for this in first service, but I have to make the cutoff somewhere. I'm so sorry. I'm going to put young adult range as 19 to 30. <sighs> See, that's where I got a couple. A couple were like, Ugh. All right. If you are about 19 to 30, raise your hand in here. All right. All right. Okay. I'll count down for you too. Okay. Three, two, one. Thank you. You guys represented much better than first service, all right? All right, if you are above 30, this is where you guys have almost an unfair advantage, but time to represent, all right? If you are above the age of 30, you're going to say good morning. Three, two, one. Yeah, you guys definitely, I almost broke it down, but no. You guys had the advantage on that one. Well, I did that because I want you to see how many different generations we have in here, and that is awesome. That is absolutely beautiful. I love it. Uh, Parents, do not worry if your kid is whispering or crinkling the paper or coloring or kind of like giggling with their friend a little bit. It's all right. All right? Doesn't stress me out. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, That is actually, I think, the most beautiful thing in the world is the fact that we have kids in here, and they are learning about God. And so we're going to enjoy the sermon. So as I said before, we're going to dive into the final sermon in our series on basically suffering. And we've been talking about suffering for for the past four weeks. 
okay? And as, as we talked about it, if you missed those, I highly encourage that you go back and you listen to them or you watch them as well. We, we broke down suffering. We broke down how God can use it for good and how, how God is, you know, powerful through it and how it is not how to also aid friends while they are in suffering. Um, I love the book of Job. The book of Job is amazing to me. I had to write a paper on it in college. Um, it was about 20 pages just on the dialogue between the friends. Now, that was, that was a form of suffering, okay? That was late nights in the library, okay? So I, at first, did not understand the book of Job. To me, the book of Job was a, a story about a sad man who just had a series of unfortunate events happen to him. That's what I thought it was, which is not completely wrong, but... There is so much more to the book of Job. The book of Job is actually layered and beautiful, like many, many books in the Bible, and it shows us more and helps us understand more about our world, about God, and about who we are as individuals. And so that's really what I want to look at today, is the fact that in suffering, we can have, in my opinion, and based on the book of Job, we can have peace and hope. And that's really the question that we're going to address today, is can we have peace and hope through suffering? And I want to clarify this before we really really dive in. Today is not about others. Today is about you. Today is about your story. Today is about you and God, because I think that a lot of times we can compare our stories with others. We can go, well, I had it worse than so-and-so. Oh, well, they don't understand because they haven't ever suffered. Or we're on the other side where we're like, I really don't, I, like, I haven't had a lot maybe happen to me in life yet. Like, I haven't, maybe I'm not that old, or I just really haven't had a lot of life experience. And so we start to compare our stories and we start to go, oh, it's not necessary. Like, I, I don't, this isn't needed for me. Or we say, well, there's no way that anyone else can understand. Nope. Today we are not playing the comparison game. Today we are going to focus on our journey and reflect on who we are in God, and answer the question of, can we have peace in suffering? Well, in order to look at that, we have to break down Job. we got to break down Job's response to his situation. So in the book of Job, he is not in an ideal situation. He has lost all of his sons and daughters. He has lost all of his material wealth. And now he has physical ailment as well. And he is basically experiencing the feeling of, the very real and painful feeling of being human. He's lost everything. He's isolated. And his friends and his wife come in and they try to tell him, you need to curse God because God did this to you. Or his friends have all of this very unhelpful advice. But Job in the very beginning, like Job has this great attitude. In Job 2.10, he says to his wife, "Um, shall we accept good from God but not trouble? In Job 13.15, he says, though he slay me, Yet I will hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. And it's all summarized in basically Job 27, which is, as long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not say anything wicked. My tongue will not utter lies. He starts out really hopeful. He's very excited. He's, well, I wouldn't exactly say excited. That's the wrong word. He's very hopeful in his situation where though everything is dark, He holds hope in God, which is the opposite of how many of us respond. Because oftentimes we respond by something goes wrong, we're in pain, we're hurting, and our immediate reaction is to blame someone. 
Our immediate reaction is, what can I do to blame either someone around me, blame myself, or blame God? And often we end up landing on blaming God because we need someone to blame. We don't often hold hope very easily. Hope is not something that we're like, uh-huh, it comes naturally. Like, it's not something that always comes naturally. And so for Job to start out like this, we can be really impressed. We're like, wow, he did a great job. He is at the point of suffering, and he's like, nope, I will not curse God. But then he breaks. Job absolutely breaks. At some point, he just gets so tired of his friends and of his, his own voice in his head that he crosses the line. And he ends up breaking down and he curses God. He holds out for so long and then he crosses over the line. And let me make a clarification here. Job did not cross the line because Job was angry or upset or hurt. Being angry, being upset, being hurt are very normal emotions. And in fact, when dealt in a healthy way, they are actually very positive for us to work through. We have to work through them. It's not the fact that he was angry that made him cross the line. He crossed the line when he stepped over into this area and said, God, you don't know what you're doing. I know more than you. And you clearly have made a mistake. That crosses a line. When we say, God must not know everything. And all of a sudden, he assumes a position that he believes he knows more than God, saying that he didn't deserve this, and that God just must be terrible. And this is where we leave Job. Job is in this dark place. Job is not happy with his life. And he looks at God and curses God. So then, of course... God steps into the scene. After all this dialogue and after all this talking, God goes, it is my turn to talk. And it says that God spoke out of the storm and out of this wind. And I actually want us to think of that literally. There is the storm around Job, and we don't know, of course, what God looked like. It does not describe him. I guarantee you it was undescribable, and that is why He's not really described as more than this power and this voice that speaks out of the wind. And, jo- and, and God challenges Job. And in fact, he gets a little sarcastic with him. God can be sarcastic. It's very funny. He kind of steps in and he goes, oh, do you know everything? Okay. Yeah, you're right. You do. I bet you do. Oh, I would have probably passed out if that had happened to me. I would have been sitting there. Can you imagine sitting there and the voice of God just, boom, like speaks to you in this loud thunder and goes, do you know everything? I would have been like, no, (laughs) I don't. And so God steps in and he speaks to Job and he essentially lays out this beautiful plan I highly encourage you to read all these chapters, 38 to the end of Job, which is, I think, 41 or 42. And God basically says, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Do you know who marked off its dimensions of the earth? Do you know who stretched a measuring line across it? Have you ever in your days commanded the morning light, the sun to rise? 
Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you lead out a constellation in its season? Can you cover yourself with a flood of water? God basically steps in and says, you are not God. I am the one who tells the ocean how far the ocean should go. I am the one who causes the sun to rise, the night to go. I am the one who knows every single living creature that is breathing on the face of this earth from the smallest ant to like the tallest like mammoth. I am the one who created everything. I hold it all in the palm of my hand, including you. I hold you in the palm of my hand. And he talks to Job about how Job is not the one who created everything and is not in the position to demand everything. He says, I am God. I am the one who knows what's happening. And you are not the one who knows everything. And I think that this is such an interesting interaction because we really see God step forth in a way that I think sometimes we're scared to admit he does. Like, I, in our culture, we tend to, like, sometimes take God and go, oh, he speaks to you in the whisper, which is true. He does. He does speak to you in the whisper. He speaks to you in the quiet. He speaks to you in the calm and when your soul just needs that, that small voice. He absolutely speaks to you that way. He is absolutely just as much of the voice of the quiet. But I think that sometimes our problem can be the fact that we take that quiet and we interpret it as our God is small. Like maybe he's not as big as what he says he is. We forget that we actually serve a God that is big and powerful and awe-inspiring. Uh, a great example of this is I actually, a couple weeks ago, had the privilege of going to Honduras on our mission trip. We go um, every year. We, the, the church takes a group and goes down. I highly recommend it if you're interested in going. It is a life-changing experience. And so I had the opportunity this year to actually go, which I was really excited about. And I love it because everyone asks me, like, what did you learn? Like, what, was, what did God speak to you about? And that's always, like, the question that people want to know. And the thing is, is that... From the second that I was down there, like it just kept repeating in my mind over and over again. I felt like God was telling me, do you see how big I am? Like, do you see how far I stretch? Do you see how much of this world that I actually have a hold of? And it's not just Ohio. And so while we were down there, we, you know, we partnered with different churches and these churches are amazing. These people are awesome. And we had an opportunity to go to some of their church services. And so in the middle of the week, we had an opportunity to go to this one church for their church service. They made this cute little welcome sign that they all went and stood and held up there. And they welcomed us. And they were absolutely amazing and the sweetest people on earth. And that night, we were able to go to their church service. And we walk in. And let me tell you, they had their speakers up. Like, see that black box, like, in the background, like, off to the side? That's one of their speakers. They have, like, a lot of these speakers. And they are blasting their music for worship. I mean, I thought my eardrums were going to bust. In my mind, I was like, I work with teenagers, okay? I, I go to concerts. 
Loud is not something that is new to me at all in any way. But when I say my eardrums, I felt like they were going to pop. I genuinely was like, I shouldn't have sat this close. It's, it's over. I was like, anyone within a 30-mile radius can hear us singing the song Oceans in Spanish right now. Everyone in the entire neighborhood knows exactly what we're doing. And it was so loud. But at the exact same time, actually, that was probably their goal. Their goal is let's make it as loud as possible so that as many people hear it and then more people want to come and see what's going on. And as much as it was loud, it was honestly one of the most beautiful things ever. Because as I was standing there worshiping with them, they pour everything into this worship. They do not care. They, they sing as loud as they possibly can. And I actually like started crying. Like I was so moved by how much they poured into this. Because to them, they're like, God is so big and so powerful and so in control. It is amazing. And I think that I was challenged because it was like, God was like, how many times do you not live your life like I am this big. And I'm not just talking about, hey, we need to like turn up our music or anything. Don't worry, you're not going to come next week and we're just going to be like blasting the music. I'm speaking like how we live our life because it wasn't about the music. It was about a posture of their heart. And oftentimes, I think that in our hearts, we can all get into this, this little bubble where we kind of, we draw back and we forget just how awe-inspiring our God actually is. The fact that he does actually hold the entire world in his hands, and yet he cares about you and about me in great detail. To the point where he knows every single hair on our head. And when God spoke to Job, he leaves Job feeling humbled, and actually Job's only response was he puts his hand over his mouth, and he goes, I did not know what I was speaking of or who I was speaking to. And he has this moment of humility, but I wouldn't say that it is true, like the bad kind of fear. I would say it's awe and humility that he looks at God and he goes, you are awe-inspiring and you know way more than I do. And the story ends with Job actually at peace and with joy in his heart. And so this is where we are. This is the story of Job. Job suffers. God speaks to Job. But what on earth does this have to do with the question of, can you and I go through suffering and have hope and peace? And the answer is yes. That's the short answer. The answer is absolutely yes, and Job teaches us this. Because in the book of Job, the whole time he is looking for peace, hope, and comfort in his suffering. But he does not find it in his friends. And he does not find it in himself. The only time that he finally reaches peace and comfort is after God has spoken. That is when he finds peace and comfort. And I absolutely love this because it shows us how much we really, really need God. Because we cannot do it ourselves. One of my favorite songs is called Questions, and it's a song by an artist named Tori Kelly, and it's a beautiful song because she kind of depicts like all of these negative things that happen in the world. She talks about war, she talks about famine and loss and hunger and pain, 
And she never gives an answer, but she ends the song with only saying this. She just says, so now I must be silent. Your voice is in the winds. The hands that made the heavens will heal the storm within. I have so many questions. I don't know where to begin. But since you were there at the beginning, you already know the end. And it's those last two lines that since you were here at the very beginning, you obviously already know the end. And we have a God that knows the beginning and the end. And when I serve a God that already knows the end, that gives me peace. Because he is much larger than what I can do. And I think that it's very interesting to look at God in suffering and actually see him for who he is, which is ever-present, all-powerful, and in control. And many times when we're in suffering, we're, we're confused, okay? Because it throws off our life. We, we're in confusion, we're kind of in, we're in pain, we're, we're not really always like uh, balanced in our life. And we kind of feel like we're, we're standing on a beach ball with one foot, you know? Teetering back and forth and in any minute someone's just going to like kick the beach ball and it's just everything's going to go tumbling down. That's kind of how, how it can feel. But the thing is, is that we do not serve a God that is weak and limited. The whole point of Job is to show us actually how powerful God is. And this actually brings us hope in suffering because God is big enough to handle our suffering. He's big enough. There is nothing that you and I can go through that he is not big enough for. Even when we feel like it's overwhelming. Even when we feel like it's just not enough. He is not afraid of your pain. He is not afraid of your burdens. He is not afraid of what you will go through or what you have gone through. And Job finds peace after God speaks because he realizes who God is and he humbly goes, I am not going to know the answers, but you hold them. So I'm going to trust the person who does have the answers. And ultimately, it is not within ourselves that we find true peace and hope. It is within God. And what's funny is, is God will always give you the answers when you look. Uh, in the name of honesty, I was writing this sermon and I got to this point right here where I had kind of written that and I was like, okay, but where are we going from here? Like, I feel like it's missing something real quick. And I was, I go, when I write sermons, I'll go to a coffee shop, I'll put in my headphones and I'll kind of just focus. And I was writing the sermon and all of a sudden on my playlist, it popped up this song about a psalm. It was Psalm 46. And I was listening to it and I was like, that is exactly what I need. And so I flipped to Psalm 46 real quick. And it is absolutely beautiful. I highly recommend reading all of Psalm 46. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, but I want to I call out specifically Psalm 46 verses 1 through 7. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Absolutely beautiful psalm. A beautiful psalm that depicts the fact that we must understand that, suffer, that having peace is not about eliminating suffering. Having peace is about doing this life with God where he provides us with peace, hope, 
an opportunity for growth and an outcome that when we give him control that he already has, he will bring it to a point that we cannot even imagine. And I think that this is absolutely amazing because ultimately Job is this beautiful picture of God's power and it actually speaks to what Jesus says. And I think that the Bible is amazing because the Old Testament points, like everything in the Bible points directly to Jesus. And if anyone ever tells you that the Old Testament is not, like, is worthless or something, please do not listen to them. The Old Testament is absolutely remarkable. And every single thing in the Old Testament points directly to who Jesus is and why we need him. It is pivotal to the entire story. And so I thought that it has to be fitting if this sermon clearly ties in, and I think Jesus actually parallels Job really well, because Jesus talks about suffering often when he was here on earth. We see how Jesus' words in the New Testament make so much sense because Jesus tells his disciples that, yes, you will suffer, and you will go through hard things, but I will bring you peace and hope. He literally says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The promise that we have in Jesus is that he came and took our suffering from sin and pain in this world, and he suffered, and he preached the hope of the gospel and the good news, and then he died on that cross and rose again to save us from that pain and from that loss, from that sin and from that darkness. He died so that we could have life. And he says he knows that we will be here on earth and we will go through difficulty and we will feel pain and we will feel loneliness and we will feel loss and we will feel hurt. But he offers that when we give him our burdens, he will exchange it for hope and peace and comfort. When we lay our burdens at the foot of the cross where he shed his blood for us, he will take on everything that is burdening in our life. And in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation 21, 4, it says he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. We have hope in suffering that as Christians, this is not the end. And our hope and our peace is ultimately that we find it in the promise that we have through God. Because really, peace is a result of trusting God with our suffering and laying them at his feet. It's about taking everything that we're carrying around and laying it at the feet of God. When Job just allowed God to have the answers and gave, him, uh, gave his suffering to him, he in return gained peace. And I just think that this is something that we all can work through because we're all carrying something. When I was looking at doing uh, research for this sermon, I was reading several blog posts. I was trying to look at like people's stories, people who had gone through suffering, and then you know where they found hope in Christ. I, I was reading a lot about people's stories because, as I said earlier, people's stories are very important. They really depict what it means to follow God and how God has worked in our lives. And I ran across this story that I actually it was so she just put it so well and so eloquently that I wanted to read it to you. We're gonna call her Jen. And this lady wrote this little blog post. And Jen says, I lost my loving mother when I was seven years old. She was still present with us, but after a brain surgery to remove a tumor, her fun-loving nature and ability to closely connect with us was lost forever. 
She died just days before I turned 16. The sadness, fear, and abandonment I felt from this loss ushered in the first significant chapter of suffering I would experience in my life. In this world, we see others suffering around us. We experience it ourselves, sometimes as part of our daily lives. Jesus, aware of what his disciples would suffer, comforted them by saying, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you may have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. Looking back, I can say that I've grown stronger as a result of the significant trials I've had to walk through. But in the midst of some of my most difficult days, I didn't feel peace. Over time, I realized that this was actually a result of my failure to cast my cares upon him, not his failure to be there. And I absolutely love that last sentence because oftentimes we think that when we don't have peace, it means God was not around. God is always around. But sometimes it is a failure of us putting our cares on him. And I get it because I can struggle with that. I'm a do-it-yourself person. I'm someone who just wants to take control. I'm someone who likes to make sure that I have everything. It's okay, I got it. I'll take care of it. Like I'm someone who's going to make sure that I have everything under control to the best of my ability. So when I hear my God tell me, Taylor, you need to give it to me, I'm like, I got it. That's been a struggle in my life. That's something that I have to work through. And especially when it comes to something as sensitive as suffering, when we're in pain and we're in hurt and we're in loss, it is hard to get, give over control. And many of us walk around holding these burdens and it is so heavy. And we all have the same challenge and opportunity when it comes to suffering because the thing is, is that suffering will happen in this life no matter what, but how we choose to respond to it distinguishes us from the rest of the world. Because our real challenge is, what do you and I need to trust God with? What is something that makes you afraid? What is something you're going through that you are afraid to trust God with? What suffering in you and I, are you and I holding on to that we need to lay at his feet? And if maybe you don't have anything, one day in the future, we have to already put the posture of our heart as being ready to lay that at the foot of the cross. It may not be happening now, but one day it, it will happen and we will be faced with a choice and how we respond will distinguish us from the rest of the world. But what we need to know is that God is always present because I tell you what, a lot of times people look at suffering and then go, if there's suffering, then there must be no God. But I would strongly argue with the fact that because there is suffering, thank goodness there is a God who cares more about us to the point where he sent his son to die on the cross for you and I. He cares so much about you and I, even though he holds everything in control that he sacrificed himself so that we could have hope and comfort and peace for the future. That's a God that I want to follow. That's a God that gives me hope. And all of it ultimately ties to Jesus. And it's awesome because Job is actually a beautiful example of how much we need Jesus. That's Job. Job is this beautiful example of why Jesus steps into our life. Because in this world, suffering is something that we cannot escape. We go through trials, we go through tribulations, life's hard. But the hope that Jesus provides is that in the end, it brings us to our knees and it is something that we cannot comprehend because we are overwhelmed with peace. 
And some of you today may even be sitting here or maybe you're listening later online and you realize that you currently feel a lot like Job. You're hopeless, you're hurt, and you are not in a good place. And I'm here to tell you that there is nothing that you are going through that God does not know and see and want you to lay at his feet and say, I've been here the whole time. I'm not scared of your suffering. I'm not scared of your life. I'm not scared of you. But I can give you my hope and my peace. And today, I actually wanted to end, like this is a good news message. And I wanted to end because of that with communion. And I think that communion gives us a couple different opportunities here. I wanted to end it for, this way for a couple different reasons. Number one, communion is an amazing opportunity to remember Jesus' sacrifice. That's really what it is. The bread broken, is his body broken for us. The juice is his blood spilled for us. That he took on our sin and died for us. And when you step into that life with God, you accept that. When you step into that life with God, you ask for that forgiveness. You repent. You go, okay, I'm here, God. Please forgive me. And it is a beautiful remembrance of that. Number two, in at least this circumstance, it is an opportunity for you to do communion as a family. I think that this is awesome. I honestly did communion growing up with my family for a long time. And I really loved it because I got to learn from my parents about what it was. It was just them and me doing communion. And so I highly encourage you parents to go ahead and do this with your kids and explain to them what it is. And then the third reason why I wanted to do this today was because if you are in here and you are holding on to some suffering that you want to lay at the foot of the cross, this is also a, an opportunity and a moment, not that you'll miss it if it passes and you do it later, but this is an opportunity and a moment for you to have that time with God to go, God, I really need you. And I need you to step in and I need you to take this burden from me. Or maybe it's an opportunity for you to go, God, you're not in my life, but today I want to ask you into my life. I want to give my life to you. I want to follow you. I want to feel that peace. I want to feel that hope. And he's waiting for you to do it. And he is so excited. Because he's not leaving anytime soon. And so in a minute, we're going to go ahead and we're going to do communion. And then we're actually going to go and head into a song that is one of my favorite songs. And it really highlights that foundation and that freedom that God gives us. And I want you to sing about how big our God actually is. But that's how we're going to close out our beautiful series on Job. And I challenge you that through the next several weeks that you continue to remember how big God is and how much he absolutely loves you and how he's there through it all. So we're going to go ahead and you can stand with me if you can. Go ahead and stand. <laughs> and we're going to go and have communion and then head into worship together. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app today to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you or changed your life, share it with a friend. 
because change lives, change lives.